Welcome everybody to episode 75 of the Metal Cell podcast. This is Richie and I hope you are all keeping safe and well out there. I've got a great show lined up for you and the opening tune there was from the brilliant Tombs from Limerick. The three piece featured on my show a few weeks back and it was episode 64 and the song that you just heard there now was called Zipper Face. And that is off their upcoming album, which will be released on July the 17th on Cursed Monk Records. The name of the album is The Orb Offers Massive Signals. So they already released Stampede. And if you haven't heard that, definitely check it out. It's a great track also. Big shout out to the lads, Alex, Anto and Kieran of Tombs. And thanks for donating the track to the show. Now, the main man himself, Rob Halkett, took time from building his studio down in Listowel to talk to me on the show. And massive thanks to Brian Carty as well for reaching out to tell me that Rob would be available for the interview. 
and seeing out the show is the brilliant dog tired with their new single lord of the vile off their fantastic album the electric abyss be sure to check out all their stuff as well on Bandcamp and social media and um, there's a bit of a team going on here with all the acts from scotland <laughs> I don't care. It's quality music, man. And shout out to Chris, Luke, Keith and Barry. And it's nice as well that there's a link there insofar as Rob knows all the lads from Dog Third fairly well. So that's it. Won't delay you anymore. On to the main interview with Rob Halkett of The Exploited. Enjoy. Okay. Hi, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Rob Halkett of Exploited to the show. How are you, Rob? Grant, not bad at all, man. But uh, I'm going to stop you there because I also played in Karma to Burn uh, for a few years. Oh, and Karma to Burn, as much as I love Exploited and Punk and the Thrash and Metal, see a bit of the old stoner rock playing for Karma to Burn for me was a fucking dream. One of my favorite bands ever getting to play with. Yeah. Brilliant. Give them a shout out because, man, we'll cover plenty. We will cover plenty. That's the whole kind of object of the show anyway, you know. And we'll give a shout out as well to um, Brian Carty, who managed to oh, get in contact with Put me and tell me about you being, would you believe, down in Kerry? I was just going, what? You're kidding me. Yeah. How do you know Brian? Both from Listowel, we both played soccer, I think, for Listowel Celtic at some point. Class. Um, <laughs> and, and you wouldn't, I suppose, automatically people wouldn't imagine it, but a place like Listowel has a fantastic, thriving music scene. And we always had um, a really, really active heavy metal scene. There was a lot of metal when I was growing up. There was loads. Everyone had a band. Everyone was able to... You know, um, play a bit of guitar, play a bit of drums, sing a bit, and so yeah. we all like our, our childhood or you know adolescence was was playing guitar, having the crack after you know a night out, or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, since you're from Kerry, did the guy get their hooks into you? Of course, you couldn't uh, you couldn't be from <laughs> Kerry and not it's religion here. Like, yeah, so I, I played a lot of lot of football. In fact, I, I played. I was a handy enough sort of. Uh, Center forward and played midfield the odd time. Pretty good at, at taking free kicks and that. But played soccer as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never went near Hurland because it looked fucking mental to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. There's one of the lads I work with actually. He's um, he's part of a hurling team down there, and it's a source of immense amusement to everybody. Then well, there's some... two places: Ballyduff and Lixnaw, um, both of which are real like hurling strongholds. Yeah. Proper, proper men. Far too tough for me to have a go at. And I'll be honest, they are the type of men that, yeah, on their deathbed, they'd still batter me as a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it mental as well that Ga has got to Sky Sports? Um, For anybody that doesn't know, we're on about uh, Gaelic football and Gaelic hurling, which is the traditional two main sports from, from Ireland. That'd be fair to say, wouldn't it? I, although I, I do enjoy a handball as well, you know. Yeah, one of the five. Uh, Komogi, as far as I... And this would be an interesting one. If anyone out there can point me in the direction of a, a sport exclusively p- played by women, I'd be into it. Because as far as I can think of, Komogi is the only one I can think of, which for, for, for your listeners and viewers would be 
a, a version of hurling but separate and different mm. a, a different <laughs> organization yeah well the, well there, there was five gaelic games as far as i know so ra- rounders i mean americans know it as baseball because they made it complicated we used it as a as a pastime where they made a sport out of it yeah well, i like that sure the, the the hurling and, and Gaelic football counties, very few counties that do both well, Cork being one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of sticks in the throat that Dublin are kind of getting that, that way. Ugh, you know. Are they good at hurling as well? Are you fi- What? Look at the population of them, man. Look at the pick they have. Oh, no, no, the football. I, I mean, I was in Cork Park last year twice watching the fuckers. Because obviously <laughs> I am, I, uh, I, I, I still really, really like my Gaelic games, but I didn't know they were are they playing hurling there. Yeah, they are, man. Oh. They're, they're they're coming good as well. But anyway, that's that's for another conversation. So How like did Dublin you? Dublin are like the Green Day of the. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they are the creed of the. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure Watty will appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we'll, we'll call them. Nickelback. How did you get into rock music? Was it a path through trad and kind of mastering guitar and stuff? I'm just guessing. Not here. at all. No, I think as a fan, big time. For for me personally, it was always, um, I would say growing up, I, I listened to a lot of grunge. You know, I, I was a teenager, so I'm almost 40. When I was a teenager, it was things like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and things. But then listen to Led Zeppelin. For me, Black Sabbath would have been a really, really big... As soon as I heard Sabbath, I realized I wanted to play music with, like, you know, darkness, heaviness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even, you know, the, it sounds stupid now, but the, the Beatles, when I, was, when I was young, I used to listen to the Beatles and think, right, that melody, put a distortion pedal on that and have a harder drum you've got you've got a song so and and i think for me it was a lot of diy when i was sort of 12 13 i was lucky enough that part of the world i'm from i was able to rent a pa and put on a concert and and have you know our our, our friends we, i mean i'm glad that youtube didn't exist then because we're not being ridiculed yes <laughs> but yeah. at the same time there was that sort of um support that adults were willing to let us have a go even though we were only 12 or 13 we could rent a little venue and we could put on a gig and we could rent a PA and, you know, we might only have four or five channels, you know, for, for, for vocals and maybe bass drum if we were lucky. Yeah. But that was, that was how I got into, genuinely, that was how I got into rock and roll. And then later on, I become, you know, a bit of producer and, and, and worked in more kind of technical sides of it. But definitely for me, the, the key in the ignition was just being a fan of music, listening to different music and thinking, well, fuck it. That, uh, you know, you can cross that with that and then make it, like, heavy. Yeah. Were you self-taught, Rob, or did you get any lessons off anybody? Uh, yeah, no, I, I was Kerry, Kerry School of Music. I learned violin, and I okay. did my all my um, music theory uh, with, with classical music, and I was prob- that was before I was 10. So I suppose 7, 8, 9, people like Benny O'Carroll, um, I learned a lot of, like, the, the theory behind music before I actually knew really what what the fuck yeah. was going on uh, in, in a lot of ways and then i'd never really learned very much after that honestly like my no and i i know a lot of people a lot of really good musicians are in the same boat they they learned enough that they could kind of go all right egbdf you know mm-hmm. and this is a staff and they're 
I don't really, and, and I found it difficult as a violinist to be able to do both. Like if, if I was sight reading, if I was playing classical music and reading the notes as I was playing them, I found it incredibly difficult to then just be able to go on a jam with my buddies. Of course. Yeah. I couldn't do yeah, both, yeah. kind of. So I, I decided for me personally, it was a bit like, well, you know, the age of 12, 13, sort of, well, for me, I, I just thought there was way more expression in just being able to play a bit of music with your friends mm. uh, uh, in, instead of having to have rehearsed a piece of music for hours and hours and hours. And yeah, I, yeah. I play in a punk band. That's It's borne out, like, there isn't all that much, um, or very often there isn't that much musicality to raw emotion. It's more about how you uh how you feel about the music then how well you can perform the music yeah well i mean that's so true on so many different levels for so many different people do you think yourself having that background we'll say i suppose educated in it to a point i know you were very young um was it a nice foundation for you for you you know did you meet Absolutely. other people yeah. through True, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. It also, for me, um, I was able to kind of turn a corner very young, realizing that the the idea of like, um, like, I put this without sounding like a dickhead. I suppose the richer kinds of music, like classical music and opera and and, and things like that, um, weren't any more worthy than than things like trad or uh, metal or a any any other form of music did mm. it didn't need to have the same um hoity toity I, I don't know how to put it yeah. but i i still encounter that now at all you know at 40 odd in my days sometimes people look down their nose at musicians who aren't in the opera or aren't in theater or aren't you know and and I, I I kind of it, it makes me feel a little bit um, well for, first of all it pisses me off but then in a big way I find it disrespectful because a lot of the time some of the most incredible musicians I've met uh, have nothing to do with classical music self-taught and they can blow your mind without ever becoming famous or you know becoming a, a big deal whereas some of the you know classically trained or the operatic voice, I, I, and I'm, I'm not disrespecting their training, etc. But the fact that they are so well considered, as opposed to the other people who aren't. Oh, it's, it's a pure status thing. Yeah, for, for me, and I was quite young, I think when I realized that, uh, like, it didn't matter if you were able to sing like Mike Patton or fucking Paso Domingo, you hear, you hear those voices, you go, that's banging. It didn't matter that like Mike Patton was never going to be uh, on the radio. My parents were putting on. Yeah. I still thought of those people as exceptional, you know, talent with with vocals. Now, I, I use Mike Patton as an example because he is an incredibly talented singer. You know, he's one of the top um, out there, man. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Totally. And, and and people still will detract. I I, I know I, this. This is a lot of people. I, I'm not a big fan of Mr. Bongo. Uh, mm. I it can give or take, yeah. yeah but I can understand uh, why why he's in him. Oh, absolutely. And 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 there's more there's more point in that can actually for me in Faith No More, Billy Gould has to be um for me a massive hero. You know, he's, he's a brilliant producer. He actually played second guitar in a band called Harmful for a little while. Um, never never knew that. Mania. Very, very few people have uh, if you like helmet, if if you're into okay. that kind of you know, um 
listen to them. They're fucking great. Like, and there's a record. I can't remember the album title, but it's got. I think it's a, a Damask, you know, um, it's called jousting or whatever. Not the fencing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a fencing mask. It's, it's fucking brilliant. It's, it it really is one of these things. And it turns out so he produced. He, he recorded the record or the album, and then he enjoyed it that much that he started playing second guitar for them. Jesus. And I watched them. We, we did a gig with them in Sofia years ago. And kind of typically, um, I don't know if you know Nick Oliveri, who be Queens yeah. of the Stone Age, but but Brilliant really basis, like, yeah, yeah he's done stuff. Mondo Generator and, and the Dwarves. Dwarves are one of the best punk bands of all time, regardless. You know, mm. people go on about England and America and all that. Dwarves, they're fucking fundamental to <laughs> punk rock, in my opinion. If without their attitude, there'd be very little fun left in punk rock. Yeah, and, and absolutely. We were out. We were at the back of this venue, big, you know, one of these venues, smoking maybe a joint or whatever. And Billy Gould kind of walked past, and I was, I was like a teenager. It's not the way you would be a big fan of, of like, yeah. And I sort of said to him, you know, you introduced me, and he's looking at me and like, I thought you knew him. Like, will you introduce me? And meanwhile, Robbie, the the guitarist, the exploited, comes out and says, like, "Oh, Billy." They, because Robbie's dad had done backdrops for Faith No More for years, oh, man. they were fast old friends. And it was only then I realized that a, a man like Billy Gould is a fucking serious stand-up dude, like really nice, kind of family-centered. Knew Robbie because he was, you know, 20 years previously he had seen him as a child, saw him growing up, paid attention to. Mm. And I was, yeah, I was kind of blown away with that, that idea that like Faith No More. Had, have have this engine with all this, these these little parts made it really really special to me. Then realizing that like people who are snobby about music don't understand that all of this is really central to being able to write incredible music and and be genre defying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember your first gig that I put on, or that I went to? Like you were, were the you... first proper gig I went to. All right. Yeah, what was that then? Um, Pearl Jam in um, the what was then Point Depot. Okay, I think I might have been at that one. What year was that? Was that in the nineties? Ninety four, ninety four, probably ninety five, maybe. No, yeah. Some, something around that. Yeah, I was at that mid nineties and um, big concert, like big, it was huge. Yeah. yeah, a yeah. friend of mine fell off the balcony and broke his neck that that night. I think. That's right. Same concert. And it wasn't, I mean, um, that long before. Then it was the 10th of May, 1996, a young, young girl called Bernadette O'Brien at a Smashing Pumpkins gig in the same venue, Master yeah. Life, yeah. Shocking. And, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, there, there's a connection there with, um, with Lestole. She's She was the cousin and, and you know, she, she was pals with people that were there. I, I wasn't at that gig, but good friends. And in fact, I was going to... We say her her boyfriend at the time was going to pop in uh, just now, and he can't. He, he's a, another producer, a re- really good musical chap called Jason Looney. He, he used to go out with her around that time, and and I remember being absolutely devastated. That kind of you know the the mm. reality of having an amazing concert could cost someone's life. Yeah, it was so uh, well disturbing. You know, really, really horrible to think that somebody having a great time all of a sudden could lose their life. You know. 
Listen, both of us, I mean, I'm 49 and I've been to literally thousands of gigs and it's understandable how something like that can happen. Sometimes you can see it almost before oh, it yeah. happens. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. as a musician, you're looking down. That must be actually more worrying sometimes to see situations like that happening, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and although you have power, as in you are on the stage and you are, you know, the focus of everyone's attention. In reality, what happens when you see some, like, for example, some uh, tough guy beating up some some young guys or whatever, you know? And I, I have, I do see that from the stage quite often, unfortunately. Um, when you try, you know. Because it is, it is, it becomes like a, we we have a rule in the band in the exploited. When it gets to a certain point, you stop and say, right, mm-hmm. you know, you're not welcome at our concert anymore. Please leave. You know, you're being a big bully boy or whatever. In reality, very often, what happens is that there there there's elements of it that doesn't quite get as bad as you'd want to stop the gig for. Or for me, anyway, you know, it's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. And it's still, it's still shitty to see someone intentionally you know heavy-handed in the mosh pit that's not cool that's you know no one thinks that's cool except for the bully boy you know and that's but rob you do you not find and i and i think it's it's really good in a way as well the exploited crowd are getting younger and it's not unusual to see a mother and a daughter or a father and a son oh yeah close enough to the front yeah oh positive and they're yeah. the type, yeah, but they're the type of people then as well that like you're kind of going, Jesus, could it happen that a crowd surge and next minute he's swept away and nah, because uh, we, we the thing about exploit, we don't play concerts that big. Genuinely, mm. I know that there's um or or if it is a concert that big, it's always well nowadays after things like Ross Kilda and and you know um and even talking about Smashing Pumpkins as I said it was. A, 10th of May, 1996, pretty sure. There have been some horrific things and, and almost everywhere in the world, lessons have been learned. So in, in the situations where it's really big and that, that there is potential for that kind of thing to happen, it's already been thought about a long time before. You know, there are crash barriers yeah. with security, you know, for, for, in my experience anyway, and that goes... Oh, no, I'm <laughs> actually played a gig in Chile recently and uh, I noticed that the side there was these barriers that had sort of like proper razor wire and, and like, like pointy bits and I was like well because I, I work in I, I do a lot of live music and I, I wouldn't be happy signing off and looking at that being like that's that's fucking dangerous you know yeah. Yeah. someone gets up on their pal's shoulders tries to jump onto the stage they could really Hail themselves, mm. yeah. So I, but I suppose shit now. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of contradicting myself. The vast majority of the time, things are very well looked after when exploited perform. Mm. Re- genuinely true. Um, whereas the odd occasion where it isn't, fuck, I, I yeah, I, you just kind of have. I, well, for me anyway, I'm a little bit more aware and a bit more on edge. Yeah, it's, it's probably something very often when I'm just in the moment and not thinking about what we're playing and just enjoying myself. Mm. Sometimes there might be a little niggling thing about like, yeah. Yeah. The nearest that I came to it was actually in Hellfest. I know he played there 
um, was it in 2011, I think? Um, I think we missed you by I mean, a I've, year. I've, I've been there from the start, actually. So 2006 or five, I want to say. Those guys, before it was uh, Hellfest, it was Fury Fest. Okay. Um, and instead of it being in, in in Brittany, it was in Le Mans, uh, where they have the 24-hour car race. Oh, they, very they, good, they, yeah. Free. They're awesome people, and 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 really the I love I love the um, actually for me I suppose I speak a bit of French it helps, but their attitude is is fucking mind blowing. Like all they wanted to do is make it better every year. So mm. whatever money goes in, it's a bit like Ramstein. They don't really take that much profit. They just put it back into their oh. business. You know, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Elfes is the same. Every time you go back, they've they're cutting edge. If you know what I mean, they're they're proud to be putting it more and more and, and, and limiting ticket sales. I know it's, it's probably infuriating for people who want to buy tickets and then they can't because it's sold out very quickly. But for those that get the tickets, it means a lot more because they aren't swamped every corner and yeah. they get to see the brands they want if we're close enough. Now, I, I, I don't really, um, I, know, I know Rage Tour Booking, uh, which is the, the singer from um, Tagada uh, Jones. Nico and, and and you know and and there's some some pivotal people that are really good, like Hellfest have some of the really good people mm. that look after shit. But uh, yeah, like you're gonna say, there is fucking terrifying stuff can still happen mm. with all yeah. the best men in the world. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean that was that was a big one that year because I think they increased the amount of people that they left in compared to the previous year. And it's suddenly, 25 to 34,000 or something like that, I think, or 34. Yeah, uh, there was, the, wow, well, I think it went, it shot up 20,000 or something like yeah. that when we were there. But it was just at a pinch point and literally my feet lifted off the ground and others around me lifted off the ground. And then we were just caught in a crush. And luckily enough, because the area is so big, it kind of, kind of I suppose, filtered yeah. out. Actually, and, it was around that time the mayor of uh, Clisson, which is the little town that it happens in, he, he was, uh, I fucking like, he was sacked for allowing it. I think it was 2011, 2012. Um, because it, 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 there had been a couple of um, media reports about, you know, heavy metal guys worshiping. <laughs> I, I, I must have been along the same, you know, goat worshiping or, what, you know, sorry, goat sacrifice, Satan worshiping or whatever. Oh yeah, and, that sums us up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, oh absolutely yeah in my experience that's all we do yeah that picture of you in 2011 is iconic there of you in midair that's a fantastic do you know who took picture. that picture tell me someone from ireland but you know who took no no i wish <laughs> it's even fun it's better than that right so it wasn't like a professional photo because it looks like a really well yeah. that's um my buddy martin iverson and um, that's his real name but you know tio from uh, mayhem no. The Norwegian black metal. Yeah, no. ex Gorgorov and all that. He's a, good, a really good buddy of mine. And he was just hanging out, like, Phil Anselmo and a few more who I'm not the biggest fans of or whatever, were kind of getting in the way. And uh, and he took this snap, kind of pissed off, and uh, got this, that one big, and I fucking love it. I think it's, it's I really, a, a friend of mine, where, where, where I am right now, 30 feet away, a friend of mine crocheted a little, uh, or like a little stitch work thing. Or like a silhouette thing of that, of and that. I'm dead proud of it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, 
but you better bashful enough to not be proud of that kind of experience. Oh wow, right. yeah, Jesus Christ! I mean, that's amazing. So let's get back a bit, because because I just want to. I'm fascinated to how you actually got into the exploited. Would it be fair to say that you got out of Listol to somewhere else, and that you took off from there? Or? Do you know? I suppose that's a, that's probably more complex. In that, if I hadn't been from a place like Listol, potentially I would never have had the confidence to be able to get into a thing like that. I think okay. Listol nurtured. Um, a lot of the, I think the confidence I had and the um, abilities that, that were nurtured came from growing up in a town like Lestol. Had I not had that, those experiences, you know, if I'd grown up in a bigger city, maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunities or whatever. But definitely, I think when, when I, I moved to Edinburgh when I was 18 to study architecture. Okay. And so that's the key move, I, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And and I, I moved, uh, there wasn't anyone in my school really looking that far afield. But my, my older sister had, um, I mean, she, she was a UCD um, art history um, graduate, but she, she had done a year at the Sorbonne in Paris. And the, the, she, she positively gave me this idea that, well, there's no need to just limit yourself to studying in Ireland. And I had already been to Edinburgh. My, my parents weirdly met in, in Edinburgh. My mom is from Abbey Field in County Limerick. And my dad is, is English and, and Scottish. So I'd been to Edinburgh and it was a place that I liked. The, you know, it, it was beautiful. There was a lot of architecture. But there was also this sort of uh, a draw that it was a big city to me at that time. You know, small, and, and when, when small I, but big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to me, it was huge. I mean, when you grow up in a town with, you know, three or 4,000 people and then you multiply about 10, yeah. that's a big deal to, yeah. to me. You know, and mm. I, did, I mean, Dublin would have been the alternative. And then, weirdly for me, San Diego or Montreal, because they had good architecture things. But Edinburgh was a kind of close enough that I could see my parents if things went tits yeah. up. But at the same time, yeah. And, and getting into sort of music as soon as I got there. I mean, in fact, honestly, I, I fucking traveled with like a little backpack of clothes, like underwear and socks, an acoustic guitar, two electric guitars and an electric bass. Like pr priorities are always there. You know, that was... Was the hair long there? You know, buy, buy a little practice amp for my little place in the halls of residence and music was always... A driving thing anyway and was so was the hair long then at your up oh shit man i just shaved my head i had dreads then ah, uh, okay I'd, I'd, I'd had no no i mean before that so i went on a uh, holiday and had to shave off my, my dreads oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i was rolling back around that time yeah yeah you're, you're reversed oh jesus that's it yeah oh i think that's funny but, and this time I'd, I'd, i doubt if, if i shave them off this time i'd say that would be that i don't think i'll get them <laughs> What year was that, Rob? Mm. Just to kind of put it into context. 1999. Oh, 1999. Okay. So I'm just trying to think musically wise what scenes were going on. The grunge was probably dead at that stage. Yeah, really. And, and I mean, for me anyway, I, I, I was like, you know, Bloodhound Gang. Like, okay, uh, yeah. Sitting for the stupid stuff. Things like Weezer. Um, yes. Were, no, you was, know, like, I suppose new metal was coming through as well then, was it? I had fucking no interest. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, 
at the time, genuinely, I, I remember buying um, Hybrid Theory, uh, Lincoln Park, and just going. But now um, I, I listen to it and I say, ah, it's so grand. But at the time, because they were touted, there was this, this overhyped thing, oh, the next Metallica or whatever. Yeah. And then I just, yeah, and, and I was guilty of being like, well, I think everybody of us believed there's so much hype behind them that everybody gave them a chance and then went, nah, not for me, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and I know a lot of both their sound engineers, their their front of house and monitor engineer are both Irish guys, by the way. Really? Which you are and they're fucking exceptionally talented engineers. Yeah. I'm probably not supposed to talk about that. Like <laughs> yeah, the, the, the stuff that they do behind the scenes is incredible, big time. And and same like waves. Um they're just, they, they have so much money and so much, uh, like, let's put it this way, Pearl Jam, I'm a massive fan of them, and, and as a member of Ten Club, so you could buy the uh, CD of, you know, they, they, they boot like their own games. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. For mm. years, and as a way of just being like, well, and, and they were supposed to be mid-priced. That was their ideology, whether or not it worked, it didn't matter. So, but if you were, let's fast forward 15 years, and Lincoln Park... Um, fan club member you were if you were in you know you, you, you paid your I, I, five pound a month or whatever the fuck it might be and um, then the next day after each gig on their tours you could download the the entire thing in high def you know like a proper multi-tracked well mixed well mastered copy of that gig that's yeah, incredible it is I incredible. Think, you know it doesn't matter if, if it's the Grateful Dead doing it or Lincoln Park. Yeah. I think that the, the fact that they're able to... Uh... Yeah, it was just a kind of a shit time for music in so far as kind of metal was floundering. As I said, yeah, you know, a lot of the, like the music that I love, which is the trash scene, certainly paid a heavy price, man. It was just fucking okay, right. fell off the face of the earth. Well, apart from like, like destruction... I mean, there was it, was it became so niche, and every a lot of the good thrash fans ended up. I don't want to piss off some people that I like, but they they ended up having to, in order to make money, kind of contaminate or dilute their mm. real music. You know, I think did Exodus uh, release? That their, was Rob Rob Jukes was Rob singing. Jukes was with him then, yeah. I fucking love his voice. Oh, I, he's I honestly, dude, man. yeah. He's got a gravitas about him as a frontman. The real deal, full stop. And he's, he's New York hardcore as shit. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He told me that. Um, he, he was one of the less hardcore dudes that put him in rehab that saved his life once upon a time, yeah? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fucking right, man. Uh, people like him, you know Harley Flanagan, um, Chromax. Legend, yeah. A legend, yeah. Those fucking dudes, they're, when you a meet limit. them, there's less than one percent of like I doubt this guy is no no those dudes are one hundred percent the shit like they're not fucking about yeah same Billy and Bobby uh, Biohazard dudes I, like I, when have I'm you in met company, all of those always, lads yeah yeah I'm pretty especially with the New York hardcore scene because they're pretty um, open Vinny Stigma people like that they're they're real heroes, but they're actually quite nice as well. Yeah, they they actually come across that way. I've seen Agnostic Front in Dublin. I went to the Cro-Mags probably two years ago now. Oh, that no, was, John it was last Scott. year. It was last year. 
Yeah, it was last year. Harley came to what's the place? What's the name of the place in fucking Camden? The Underworld, with, with, um, with Promax. So because yeah. I mean, he only just got the name back. I know his his wife is a lawyer, and there there had been a lot of toing and froing with um. Do you know, oh, with the name, yeah, but John Joseph yeah. and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't even, even now, I don't really know all of it, but it's, it's. Yeah, it got messy. Yeah, it got messy between them. You know, I, I'd imagine yeah. they're she they're did. two extreme guys. She you know. I do, but for a pair of Harry Krishna dudes, that's pretty fucked up, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, they were brilliant. Chromags were brilliant in the underworld last year. Um, it was an all-day session for us. We flew over, and the course, um, we met him. We met him. He was so anxious to come over to Ireland. He had a big scarf around his neck, and yeah, absolutely. Seriously, seriously. First impressions, kind of guy who just kind of got this is a dude and a half man. He he loves his he loves. Not his just home. that. I mean, I've, I've I've invited him here um as for days off because he and his people have been really good to me, um elsewhere. You know. Oh, very good. Yeah, uh, Harley Harley's hundred uh, percent what he means. You know. Mm. So they're they've announced um, Irish dates for next year anyway. So Rob, if you're off, they'll be they'll be. If it is, I, that's what I mean. I I sent him a, a message just inviting him over here. Because mm. they are um, playing Limerick and they are playing Dublin. Dolan's Warehouse, um, bad reputation, Chromags, and DME Promotions. Then I don't know where to plant them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it exactly. You did a tour with them in Japan. It was a, one of the best tours I ever put down. Honest to God. So GBH exploited discharge and Harley's war. All oh, right. Um, with Char- Charlie Harper and Yuko, his wife, uh, keeping lookout, and some deranged, deranged individuals on on the sort of peripheries. But man, it was done like uh, it wasn't like what we were used to, you know, like a tour bus, tour bus, and just rock and roll, you know, go around and tour. This was on a more like a tourist bus. And every yeah. morning, knock at the door, right, hello, you know, time for sightseeing. It's like, fuck off, I can't, I've only been asleep 20 minutes. It's right out, no, no, I'm on Fuji right now. And you're like, oh, fuck it, right now. And it was <laughs> every time, like, I don't know if you know, like, uh, Ross GBH or Jock and these guys, they're, they're brilliant. They're, they're total heroes, you know. Yeah. And, like fucking, it turned out Harley'd be like, "All right, no, he's been in a dojo for the last half an hour fighting some dude in jujitsu." That's his, you know, yeah, because yeah. he he owns um, or he runs a Brazilian jujitsu style. Uh, he was very close. I think it was Stevie Gracie, the jujitsu. Yeah, Joe Rogan has often mentioned the dude. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's the thing that I wouldn't really know no. about because I tell you what, like, see, in the stall, what happens there is. You just fight when you have to. You don't option fight. <laughs> That's it. Like occasionally you end up in a fight, but you don't really go and hone your skills because there's a good chance every second Friday you'll be going for it anyway. Isn't it amazing as well how kind of, as I say, life's ever decreasing circles? I was only on the razor sharp debt blizzard. Who you know, of. brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah. no, I know all of them individually as people. Yeah, they're fucking great band. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they spoke highly of you as well because I got the news literally as I was doing the interview that Brian uh, said that you were up for it, and I was just going, "Lads, you won't believe Brian this." Martin, yeah. That um, Rob, I'm interviewing Rob from Exploited, and they were all going, "Oh my God, Daz and Jamie going, what a dude and." Love yeah. him and does sound does sound in Bannermans, is it or engineering in Bannermans? Or that's right, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, um, but getting back to that, they have a they have a new album out, and it just one of the songs on it. Um, it's coming out in July the twenty seventh or July the seventeenth, one or two. One of the songs on it is Failure, and when I heard it, the riffs, the opening riffs, and everything straight away, I thought of the Crow Mags, and I went. Oh my God. And do you know that Cro-Mag song, You Gotta Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just said, lads, check, check out the Cro-Mags, check out that song and get Alan Swan to do a video of something ah, similar. Yes. Like yeah, that. yeah, right on, man. <laughs> we should, and, and, and get Harley in doing some sort of guest. Uh, I'd say could, he would. I, like, I'd love, to, I'd love to see Daz, because he used to be in the Swell Bellies as well, as the, another kind of hardcore punk band. But Harley Flanagan as a referee—that'd <laughs> be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I love it absolutely. Because the, I, su- I suppose, um, see, see a person like Alan Swan—he's—he's he's the next generation. He's—he's he's youngish. Yeah. But masses of talent. Um, has done some really cool. Like, he's a photographer, but getting into the realms of videos and and editing and things. So they. Like, I, I can't, uh, there's a guy called Robbie Davidson. Um, he's, he, he really is the reason I ended up in the Exploited, actually. I used to play in a band called Certain Death with him and his brother. I used to play guitar in that band, and, and Certain Death was, uh, you know, hardcore, no one cared, hip-hop, two singers. Uh, like, I always thought Beastie Boys meets Raging Speedhorn. Oh, very good, okay. Cool. Yeah, in, in musicality, that was always the direction or, or I got kicked out you know no one liked me because I'm an asshole and stuff <laughs> but um they had to change their name to drive by audio oh what a shit man what so, yeah yeah and and that's money man that's that's what the fucking reality is so a, a couple of years before that I'd been kicked out even though they're still best friends we're, we're tight now and they're back to being because certain death is a brilliant name yeah <laughs> that's like yeah, yeah done all right or we're called certain death and that kind of hip-hop meets i, I suppose a bit, a bit of helmet a bit of biohazard a lot of like things like raging speedhorn even you know early slipknot um sepultura drum stuff you know like taking yeah. that kind of make and a very, very scottish or at least not american metal band yeah with shawnee d who, who actually sang with them um, i was saying about earlier but uh hellfest one of the people arno um so he he, he was a singer with with black bomb a for a couple of years who never were, heard of them now oh dude you were doing yourself a disservice by not okay. checking unbelievably good they, they have one song called mary which should be the world's national anthem Fucking hell. Where are they from, Rob? France. Uh, Nantes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, nowadays, Paris, Nantes, like, because, well, put this way, man. Um, it, all, it all always ties around. So, Cavalier Conspiracy were produced 
by the old machine head guitarist. Um, yeah, I know the guy. I can't remember his name either. I can never think of his name. Excellent tattoos in his tits. Uh, <laughs> the first two Cavalera Conspiracy records were produced by him. Okay. And then uh, Black Bombay's most recent, or second before most recently one is done. And, and he's, he started off doing a lot of um, drum production. Okay. His, his stuff on that, on that Cavalera and stuff. Well, Igor, one of the best drummers in the, in the scene, like. And, and makes me blush like a school child when I see <laughs> I have, I have pictures of them, but every time I'm a total like. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, actually in the crowd with, with, uh, at that Chroma gig. There was pictures afterwards of Harley with him in the crowd, Igor. Yeah. Uh, no, he must that, like yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's hardcore as well and punk. Oh, Igor, Igor Cavalera, yeah. He, he used to live with a guy, um, Matthias Prill. I hope he never hears this because he's he's like a promoter type, really cool guy, best promoter I know. Looks after us really well, makes sure that we get fed and occasionally even get paid and stuff. You know things they. You know. But um, he he and Igor lived together in Sao Paulo for like five six years, and you know when when there was fucking nothing, like no, you know food or money, and and all that kind of stuff. And for them. Like I, I, I know Matthias, I've, I've toured with him really well, you know, a really long time. They, they weren't doing it for fucking cash or whatever. They had, they had belief in their music. And that's, that, I think for a lot of us in, into things like heavy metal, it's not about the, you know, or the career options. It's about this uh, overriding principle that that's what I want to do and that's why I should be doing it. You know? Yeah, as Sepatora wrote a song about it, Nomads. Nomads. <laughs> chaos AD, by the way, I know I know folk uh, want about like beneath the remains arise and all that, but for me, fuck me, like chaos AD. Hmm. What a that's cheap. the one, isn't it? I I, yeah. I think so too myself. It varies, yeah. but I mean chaos AD is just oh, every single song. But Turk is Godzilla. Yeah, and of course there you go, Jello Bafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know There's him and Martin hate each other. The band Diamond, like the singers, absolutely pathologically hate each other. Really? Oh, I. Fucking hell. Okay. It, doesn't, it really doesn't bother me that much because yeah. I pathologically hate both of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did you say Matthias was in the end? Was he a promo- Is he a promoter? Is he... Promoter, yeah. Ma- Matthias Prill, so... MP tour management. Um, he was he was living. He's a German chap. Oh, okay. In South America for a long time, and promotes and tour manages some some very big acts, etc. Because mm. remember the the other punk band. There's a few, but the one punk band that I love coming out of Brazil was Reynos. Logan Ladder. Oh, sorry, man. Logan. Logan <laughs> the producer, sorry. Yeah. Reynos de Pereiras. Oh, Ratos de Paros. Yeah, yeah. Fucking unbelievably cool guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ratos are... Uh, Ratos, yeah. Ratos de Paros. Um, and, and I think, again, going back to Wati Bakken, the singer in The Exploited, I think there's about three bands that he doesn't hate. And that's one. Hmm. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> yeah. Maybe four. Push it, like... <laughs> 
So if he ever ends up here in this interview, though, he's going to give me shit. He's like, there's only three, you fucking cunt. <laughs> How did you get your chance then? So you finished with the hip hop metal band. Well, no, I was kicked out. And, oh, yeah, uh, well, at the same, out, yeah. I'd, already been, I'd, I'd already been working with the exploited just doing um, sound. Ready? Oh, sound. Okay. Sound, yeah. And, and well, that mostly means drum tech. Genuinely, it means making sure the drum kit can stay upright mm. for an hour and a half. And did your yeah. aspirations of being an architect get part as soon as you saw the scene in Edinburgh? You just went off? No, 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 not at all. No, I, I graduated, not just that. I, I've used my ability to tour in order to inform my architecture studies. I, I just Excellent. finished another master's uh, October there. Respect, and, man. Love yeah, hearing stuff and, like and, that. And this kind of barn that we're, you know, I'm sitting outside. That's, uh, I'm, I'm doing it myself, hundred percent. Like this, this stone has been cleaned. This other stone hasn't. With angle grinders, I'm pretty involved in architecture, but on my terms. I fucking hate the uh, the construction industry the way it is. Kind of mm. um, reminds me a lot of the music industry in in that there's there's certain power uh, and money <clears throat> that a lot of the people with the best talent or the greatest ideas will never be exposed to yeah and the people with the lowest principles and and the worst um ideology will control mm. yeah i wouldn't argue <laughs> with that at all i mean fucking hell you'd know firsthand obviously yeah, I keep dragging you back to it. The Edinburgh scene, you went to a few exploited gigs. How did it come about? Oh, shit, no. I mean, I never went to an exploited gig. Am I? Were you not ever? doing sound for him, no? No. Oh, sorry, that's what I mean. Like, the first time I ever saw exploited, I was working. Okay. I think um, first time, there's a band called the Gin Goblins. Um, right. Incredible local uh, Edinburgh punk band. And in, I think, 99 or 2000 actually it must be 2000 they did uh, they, they always did an um, annual halloween show and um so i was at this particular halloween show right i'm going i gotta pause it there what is it with halloween shows because i've seen it i've seen dog third at halloween shows man and oh that's robbie that's fucking davidson bro that's off the, the real, wall uh, yeah yeah we have a we have a thing okay. yeah yeah and this this particular <laughs> one was rad Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of them, Halloween shows in Kirkcaldy, anybody that's even listening at this time should check out. There's going to be a film coming out called, um, oh, sorry, Dick Dynamite. Dick Dynamite is going to be, I don't know, really good, right? And it will be. Robbie Davidson is, is a crux of all of those things. Um, he is... I mean, he was an exploited, and, and he's a film director, and, and certain death. Um, Dick Dangerous is his baby, I suppose, as opposed to his actual physical baby, which his missus gave birth to, Ava. He has really tried to. Um, I mean, he's, he's he's worked in like let's say he worked for STV, so TV news and shit, okay. and still has um technical knowledge and the abilities to go forward and do his own thing but chooses to do really off the wall bullshit so you were at one of them and oh there's a big fight 
uh, somebody handed me a glass to try and smash another guy with, and I another violent type. So I put the glass. Actually, it was a bottle. Put the bottle down. I was like, I'm not fucking. So I had a bit of a fight with a guy who tried to get me to fight the other guy, and then in in the mix of that, I got chatting to a couple of the guys. I said, All right, you're what are you bucking, man? Remember, remember, and all I, I at that time, all I really liked was he he kind of had a. I think it was a Kerrang Award ceremony. Fucking smashed a Kerrang Award into the guy from Green Day. In his face. And I'm like, I just remember thinking that that's pretty cool. Like, because I've no issues with any of those dudes mm. at all. But I just thought it was like, well, if you fucking, if you really don't like someone, I, it's, it's better to just like, come do it. The likes of Lewis Capaldi. I, I will never listen to his music, but the guy's a fucking genius. On he goes. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. And I don't, and he's down, he, he lives down the road from my flat. I don't care about his music at all. It's poxy shit to me. But his attitude is brilliant. Like, yeah, fuck you guys. And, and why, why shouldn't he be able to, you know, why, why isn't he being tapped on the shoulder by minders? Because he wouldn't listen to them. That's good shit to me. <laughs> Were you playing guitar at the time still, Rob, or had you played bass in other bands, or you know either or? Like how did? Uh, yeah, I'd never, I'd never really played bass in a in a real band. I used to play bass on my own recording, electro music and sort of dancey stuff as well, hmm. like a lot of shit. And um, so I knew how to play a bass approximately, but it's true, man. Like bass, a shitty guitar. I mean, electric bass in a punk band is equivalent to being a shit guitarist 90% of the time. <laughs> Hang on. I do not want to offend the guy yeah, who's rancid. He's fucking amazing. Uh, no, there's about 10% of brilliant punk rock bassists out there. The rest of us are just like failed guitarists. Right? <laughs> so did it exploited approach you or how did it, how did it pan out? No, I mean, the, um, the bassist quit while we were on tour. So I just started playing bass. And then, oh no, shit, that's bullshit. I auditioned on guitar and uh, I can't play guitar solos. So then I started playing bass. So the bass is quit and you jumped in. Was that like 2004? Was that around? Yeah. For, um, sorry, 2004. It was uh, middle of July 2004. Or 2000, 2004. And, and no shit, my first gig, yeah, it was um, like the first gig playing was just before Slipknot and fucking, um, yeah, one of my favorite ever festivals in Germany, Metal Camp. Not sure that one. There's a load of them in Germany, man. Yeah, yeah. These, this, this festival really was, um, for me, I, obviously, you know, it's really cool to be, oh, wow, there's, there's that guy I used to, you know, all of his albums on vinyl. Now he's like asking if I want a beer. You know that's it's fucking rad, obviously. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's with full force festival. Okay. Amazing, and uh, the organizers—they're really cool. There's two guys that do the um, access stage secu- security, and no one's allowed to have any beer or any any fluid. You know, any, anything that might fuck up the electrics. Fair enough. On a little part. And I remember asking really politely if they'd let me bring a six pack up onto the balcony bit to watch Cavalier Conspiracy. And they said, you know, 
Sweet. No, no, I'm the coolest guy in the world. You know, <laughs> I'm allowed to have beer and Cavalera conspiracy. All right. When you made that transition to exploited, had you mates back at home that were aware that fucking Rob was suddenly playing bass with exploited? Like we all have mates that are into the music, and you know, yeah. it's just bizarre situation. I think, honestly, for me, a lot of it was uh, a lot of my pals were already either in reasonably successful bands. And and, uh, again, coming back to this thing about nurturing and and music, that there's a guy who lives two miles from here that makes probably better guitars than fucking ESP do at the moment. They called Ken Beasley, and their old band's still alive. a couple of guys from Thin Lizzy were fans. You know, there, there was always really brilliant musicians. And it was never a case that all of a sudden I, I was able to play in this band or that band. It was, as far as I know, a lot of it was, well, I was helped on the way by these people who are still my neighbors, you know? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Like, there's still, even now, not long, you know, not far away from here, there's, there's young kids playing. I've... I can't remember the name of the band, but like it's it's friends of mine's kids. But they're they've got a fucking drum kit and a bass amp and a guitar amp and a little bit of a PA and all the rest of it. And they're they're rehearsing. They're playing. I don't know if they've uh, if they've got it yet, but like that's that's the whole point, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah. It's a play. You know, Whiplash. Like let's let's play some Metallica covers. Let's do some fucking Slayer. You know, and if you can't, there's so much in the minority these days, man. Um, really? Uh, yeah, I kind of worry about the scene itself. I think, I think, kind of at the moment, the Irish metal scene is is just absolutely mind blowing. But I sincerely hope that the next generation coming through, the the eleven and twelve year olds, like there's so many distractions, so much social media out there that yeah, you know, it's very I mean, hard. I think and hope that there will be a little backlash against that kind of thing. Um, because the next cool thing will be like, yeah, I, I don't do Twitter. I don't do fucking Facebook. I don't do any of that shit. What do you do? I, I do Slayer. I, mm. I, I do obituary. I'm, I'm now getting back into, you know, or getting into. Like, that. I think kids will be always trying to find the cool niche instead of the popular whatever. And Certain, certain kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's all we need. Like, the, mm. the good... Like talented, ideologically driven musical. They're, they're, they are out there, and and they're gonna have kind of. Their parents won't be. They'll be. Their parents will be the fucking Twitter generation, idiots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll find their way to typo negative. Maybe <laughs> my dying bride, and for for me, maybe municipal waste. Maybe some SOD. Maybe even they they come across a very recent concert of fucking uh, SOD covering the exploited finishing out in Los Angeles playing yeah. the US, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, that's cool. Like, I mean, okay. If, if you want to pursue that passion, you can just do YouTube, etc., and find everything on it. Who knows what they're going to come up with, man. Um, what's coming yeah. true. It's going to be interesting. It'll be obviously everything that we've heard and, their own taking it then you know but that's it exactly i mean even, even things like if you remember like prodigy and oh, i remember not really God. yeah you know 
Yeah, and then getting it all of a sudden, being like, "All oh, right, this mm. is fucking incredible," but it's it's not really what I'm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the same as what I want it to be. It just has to be as good as it is. Yeah. Music for the jilted generation. Every song. And and it was, it was a very different thing. And and knowing those dudes, and I've I've performed and, and hung out with them, like they. They're punk rock. They are, you know, oh, fair enough, it's massively electric, you know, mm. and all of it's this and that. But really, you if you go and stand next to their front of house mixing engineer, he's way more on it than most sort of punk rock mixing engineers or, or metal. You know, he, he's fucking running delays and stuff and, and more hands-on, which is, for me, a little bit more um, old-school metal than it is, like super fancy look at the lights the way the way a lot of things pan out yeah yeah so i i, I would put i know I, and it doesn't really matter what way you kind of pigeonhole your different bands in the in their genres but prodigy to me would be like all right cool imagine that in 10 years time that none of us thought about so like reuben turns around and it's jamming with some fucking i don't know who knows like jazz if, if it wasn't for a bit of decent jazz, we wouldn't have Sabbath. Yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. I know, I like jazz. I love Sabbath. Yeah, no, I like my jazz, especially if it's over in Amsterdam. Oh, jazz. What about places, what about your favorite places in Europe to play? Yeah, there, there's one the industrial bar in, is it Prague? Small venue, I love it. I, there's a place that will never, ever be doubled in um, Beal in Switzerland called oh, Gap okay. Castle and they, like you know it's in Switzerland but still the cops can't go in there so you can still have as loud as you want there's an I think it's 99 dBA limit in Switzerland but not here it's fucking <laughs> right like the people in Beal like if I'm if I'm giving props to anybody I always thought Swiss people were kind of dicks a bit you know kind of ugh. and then spent a little bit more time in Switzerland and realized that the the scene there, they were fucking so well so um ahead of ahead of me psychologically with like, oh well, this is how you can make a scene better and this is how you can fund it and this is how you can, you know, organize concerts for free and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and this place Gas Castle, it's it's just rad as a as a sound place it's terrible it's one of the worst acoustics I've, i mean to try and design something worse acoustically would take me a while it's that bad jesus yeah okay and i'm good at that i really am but um <laughs> did you get to see the did you go to the geiger museum while you were there oh absolutely in, in um uh, gruyere Was it? So okay. it's, in, in, it's in a little place called gruyere there's um, a, a famous cheese from there. I've, I've been there three times, actually. Yeah. I fucking love it. It's an amazing little place in the bar across the way. Yeah. H.R. Geiger did probably more cool, insightful art and sculpture for heavy metal and sci-fi than anyone else of our generation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. But um, you, know, you know who the best heavy metal artist in the world is? This this is our Geiger. That's a, that's a good question, Rob. Because Tom G. Warrior brought Geiger into all our um, lives. It's probably an obvious one. No, 
It's not. Mm. Isn't it now? Emphatic and categorical. Mm. Go on, hit me. He's a guy. He's an American guy. A fucking asshole. He's t-shirt companies or his online thing is American Vendetta but his real name is Christian Sloan Holt right you know all the Amon Amarth mm. kind of Viking we're a tough guy okay. yeah all of that amazing art that's him that's him he is without a doubt the best heavy metal like oh, there, there's one he did it's a band from Sweden um, and it's it's a, it's a wave like a big Hawaiian style wave of um, dead, like decapitated skulls. That's one thing about our genre in metal, man. You have to have a good artist out front with your album. I mean, I don't know, but it's half the battle, isn't it? I mean, fair enough. I understand it. Iron Maiden. I've never been a you know big fan. I get it. I understand it. Wow, they're you. You can't deny that their their kind of artwork and stuff is. Like it's second to none. It's they have really understood how you do that. Like they have p- people talk about Eddie as a fucking buddy. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> really, yeah, really it's true, man. Brilliant. And and yeah. I, I, I I'm also not cynical about Iron Maiden when it comes to that. I don't think that they intentionally did it. I just think that that's the way it organically mattered and the way that they got on with it. I do think they took a lot of drugs uh, yeah. when they. Pretend that they didn't. Yeah, I mean, how many album sleeves have you picked up because of an artist more so than the band? Oh, load. I mean, that just so catch your eye. And and I'll yeah. tell you what's really weird yeah. is that most of those are, are certainly a good portion of those have been better than the ones that I've been advised to listen to that I'm you know by friends be like, oh, you love this. It's like, listen, it's like that's shit. <laughs> uh, as opposed to like randomly picking up something terrible off a shelf in HMV, in Cruiser Street in Limerick a lot, or whatever. And then, you know, <laughs> wow, I fucking, I'm, I'm into this, yeah. It is a double-sided sword. One that always sticks in my throat is saving probably at 13 at the time, going up to Cork with my mother and going into HMV with my savings and going down to the heavy metal section because my brother was 11 years older than me, so he... He had given me Motorhead. He'd given me Deep Purple, all that. Oh, so it was Deep my Deep Purple, big... man. Fucking amazing. Yeah. And I was flicking through and looking at the art and one just stuck out a mile and I just went, look at the artwork. It was like this knights gathered in a canyon and there was banners and flags and it was so metal. And I looked at the logo and I went, oh my God, I'm going to buy this. This is, this is the one. So went up, bought it, came home, put it on. It was shit. Um, but anyway, <laughs> who was it? Who was it? Saxon, yeah, Rock yeah, Nations. Biff, Biff, uh, Byford, Biff, Byford, Byford. Yeah, this. I've never. Yeah, I've worked for them. Not my. No, Wheels of Steel. I love Wheels nah. of Steel. Don't get Do me know, wrong. It's a fucking you great what, ACDC type fucking stomper. Like. Do you know what's fucking mental? Really is. Um, I presume you've seen. Um, What's that? Um, this, the downfall of Western civilization is a part two that yeah. does the metal one. So it's Wasp mm. and the guitarist in Wasp. Uh, it's him in a swimming pool. His mom is inside. He's drinking straight vodka. Or Chris Holmes, yeah. Yeah. Now, I just presumed Chris Holmes was a fucking idiot and like a spent force and did sound for him a couple of times. But the first time, 
I need a French band. I, I was you know, speaking right, to French. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. He was actually uh, a, a gentleman, a really good, and his fucking playing was. I just thought I'd be brain damaged by that bullshit. I was totally mm. wrong. like one hundred percent wrong. The guy was wow. absolutely on it. You know, he's playing to like maybe one hundred and fifty, two hundred people. Yeah. Not not Wembley Stadium and giving it a hundred percent way better than I've seen, you know, bigger, more expensive performers and, and his playing. I was like, holy shit, how does that happen? Like, because that bit, it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in heavy metal is that little scene in, you know, when he's, he's drinking this bottle of vodka and his mom's inside, it's like, Christ, uh, it's, it's like, I love to party, I love to have good fun and I fucking have and all the rest of it, but I don't want to have that adversity yeah, yeah. I actually care about you know yeah yeah it's true man uh, you see I think he became a victim of his own success and then had to live up to it and yep you know? exactly and and in in, in an ongoing kind of role. Steve Campbell has joined G yeah 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 just uh, I mean he's, he's only played three concerts with us all of which were in New Zealand um good guy mm. but he's, he's he's one of these um he used to be in the army and stuff. Oh sure, he he'll slot in well with Watty. <laughs> yeah, the pair of them love each other. Like they're fucking chatting about this, and I've never been there. Like, see if, if someone tried to get me in the army. I've I've even thought about this when I was younger. I'd just cut one of my fingers off and be like, nah, fuck off, not yeah. for me. Mm. No. Ye are obviously like the rest of everybody else suspended in animation until you hear any more. Really, is it? Well, pretty much. I think there's quite a lot of um, writing going on. Um, as far as I can hear, or people send me riffs and ideas and things. Um, hmm. So there might be an album out eventually. <laughs> but sure, this, this is 10 fucking years. Oh, sorry, it's more than 10 I know. Years. I remember the last. Oh, yeah, I know. It's 15 years. Because I, I, I've been in the band since whatever, and there's no album. The last, the last one was Fuck the System in 2003. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so I joined 2004, yeah. and there's no album since, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, man. It's you know, fun. Right? the genuine it's truth fun. about that is that, right, there has been, I think, five guitarists. Mm. And eventually, someone will leak it all. There's, there'll be loads of shit, all right? <laughs> there's fucking <laughs> shit tons of, of ideas and music and all the rest of it, but nothing's ever been put down properly and and i can tell yeah they, they were amazing that they you know that record label um marcus i i've i've incredibly fond things to say about them uh marcus the old owner started it in his garage and all the rest of it and you know eventually mm. it, it's too big for him to really as, as a global enterprise but they were always so so nice and a good they I think it was 2008 or 9 or something fucking signed an exploited record and I don't know there isn't one um, I'd, it isn't on me man I just play bass like yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and really that's it you know I, I don't have any other like if I, if I write music I, I wouldn't be putting it to the exploited because none of it would be relevant I don't like that kind of music. I um, I think bef before we went on, I was saying about like how Karma to Burn was a really huge thing for me, like playing with Stoner Rock Band. 
That I, that I actually, yeah. What album would you recommend for those that have never heard them? Almost Heathen, and listen to it on vinyl with a decent fucking hi-fi. Yeah. Okay. It really, um, Karma to Burn. If if you've ever listened to Caius or Queens of the Stone Age, or or Good Soundgarden, and and enjoyed that kind of um, groove riff. Hmm. You know, the big difference being. Soundgarden had an amazing singer. Karma to Burn never needed a fucking singer. And yeah. I, I don't mean that in any good or bad way. I just think it's the way it is, you know. And do you want to give a shout out to any of the other Edinburgh crew? I know you're friends with Laura Dog and tired. Jamie of, oh, of right. King Witch. King Witch, fuck yeah. Have you any idea how talented those fuckers are? King Witch. Yes, I do. Oh, man. Um, the Gilchrists. His studio is going to be badass, but he's going to be like, because over my shoulder, he'll be in here mixing some, and right, nice. he'll, he'll, he'll reference this in some weird thing with some mirrors set up, and she'll do some <laughs> singing note, and all of us everywhere will be like, ah! Yeah, no, I, I think, genuinely though, there's a band called Garida, no one ever cares about. G-A-R-E-D-A. Um, kind of overlooked stonery rock. They came from the ashes of a band called the Tyrant Lizard Kings, who were mm. probably Edinburgh's most important band. Okay, there's always one, isn't it? That yeah. that never gets. They there. just they just happen to be around with working with everybody else and all that. Yeah, and yeah. and the Tyrant Lizard Kings. Their drummer happens to own a place called Chamber Studio, which is the mm. studio in Scotland, full stop. If, if you want to go and, if you've got a million, billion, gazillion pounds and you want to get the best product, you go and see Graham Young at Chamber Studio, just the way it is. Yeah. And he was the drummer. He was only the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> the other two guys, fuck those. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. I work with both of them all the time and they'll be pissed off. So Stu, Stu Gordon is a great producer and Chris Smith, no one knows him by that name, is a brilliant visual artist. Stu Gordon or Yeah. There was um Bonan. Has he got his own studios? Yeah, called uh, Wall Wall of Sound. Wall of Sound. I came across him um researching Razor Sharp Death Blizzard because they did Yeah, it would but but Stu's, also he did a live recording in, of Conan. That's fucking my. I don't know if it's ever been released, because I worked the live side and he did the recording side, in mm. Bannerman, Edinburgh, and it was Conan, our buddies from Liverpool, who unbelievably great live sound. Like it I sounds know, like deafening. fifty-two speakers on stage, yeah. and there were fifty-two speakers on stage. It was fucking yeah. But that's mm. Stu Gordon. Stu Gordon is one of the guys that can capture that because he's got big ears and a big fucking face. <laughs> Because, as I said, Stu worked on um, a little mini documentary. I can't remember who who did it. Oh God, uh, no! Not about the fucking death thing. Oh, did was, you see um, it? Yeah. Oh, no, I, um, it's ba- Bailey Junior. Um, Bailey Junior. That's it. Good man. Yeah. yeah. So Stu did uh, gathered up um, a few of the Tommy Concrete as well. Actually, there, there was yeah, a few contributed. I mean, you know, he played in the Exploited. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah he's a fucking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Conan bassist produced Razor Sharp Dead Blizzard's new album, Chris The Board Stephen. Is Fucked. 
Chris Fielding is a brilliant producer. I mean, Orange Goblin, one of the yeah, seminal. I mean, contemporary British producers. Chris Fielding is up there, way, way, way better than most cunts, if you ask me. <laughs> brilliant to have you, Rob. Just give a shout out to a few exploited fans for me, man. They go to all your gigs every time you come to Dublin. It's Timmy, Brian Herr, and James Curley, if you don't mind. Hey, man. Timmy, Brian Curley, and Jim. Timmy, Brian Hare, and James Curley. Brian Hare. Fucking right. I tell you what, hopefully next time, though, it's not in voodoo. Um, hopefully next time we're back in Dublin, we can do it in some place a little bit swisher and nicer. Yeah, the you academy would be perfect. You're, you're dead right. I, I, and now I don't like to talk shit on a venue, but fuck me, man. That place, the last two times we played there, like, PA crapped out once, and the fucking... There's been there been a flood and and then on top of that it's like my family are there and they're they're horsing us out so they can get the techno club on straight away afterwards and stuff. Mm. So I say you know like there's a guy called John Foley who used to run the um or Voodoo Rooms sorry and and it used to be a lot better or whatever for for our kind of shitty peripheral music whereas now I think it's more catered towards mind bending ketamine bollocks. <laughs> so you know I mean it yeah sorry but then the guy in Belfast who looks after it's a good guy so I know. next time in fucking Dublin hopefully we can get a pint and have a chill after the gig instead of just having a fucking nonsense get out of here now yes hopefully Rob you're a star thanks a million man for appearing on the Metal Cell podcast it's an absolute pleasure and I mean that oh yeah yeah and one yourself <laughs> big man <laughs> be safe right 